Once was a land of woe and strife Where the people were bereft of hope They prayed to their gods of might and light To deliver the heroes of old Instead they got Heroes, did you hear the quotes in my voice of moral ambiguity? They may help or may not help you at all, depends on what's in it for them. They kick and they punch and they maul and they smash. They lie and they scheme and they burn and they slash. Succeed or fail, it has to the tell. Dungeons and debacles starts now. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Dungeons and Debacles podcast. I am your hosting Dungeon Master, Kevin. Going around the table, Blake. Hi, my name is Blake, and I'll be playing Juliet, the Dragonborn Eldritch Knight slash Wizard. And Hannah. I'm Hannah, and I'll be playing Talia, the Human Rogue. And John. Hello. I play Lunadas, Elmer Monk. And Shane. Shane playing Alexander, the Human Bard. Uh, as you might be able to tell a little bit from my voice, I am sick this week, and I hope I can get all the way through talking <laughs> this episode whoa <coughs> that's a cough I'll cut that out um, so last time on Dungeons and Bacchus, uh podcast um, you are declared heroes of uh, Hollow's Point for uh, defeating the pinch and bringing back um, all the weapons that have been stolen at this point you've gathered up some supplies and are starting to hit the road to make it to fade out so you decided to take the mountain pass and uh, a couple days in at about two o'clock in the morning you start uh well i guess it was alexander that started hearing some roaring and some flapping of wings or some sort of flapping sound in the distance before you heard these uh rumblings and uh these three giants that came crashing over a mountain ridge so currently they have made it to the bottom of these mountains and they are standing in the road probably a good 80 feet away from you uh, at this point alexander had cast an illusion spell to make it look like you were behind some trees and then that is where you find yourselves now currently they don't appear to notice you their attention is focused up on this um, mountain ridge from where they uh, just came from and uh, they appear to be uh, saying something to each other in kind of these hushed tones but they're so big that uh, you can still uh, pick some of it out does uh, anyone speak giant i don't believe so it's gonna be a big n-o i do not i know comprehend language uh may i cast comprehend language uh if you want to I would like to cast Comprehend Language as they're walking up so I can understand uh, giants. Uh, yeah, for the duration, you understand the literal meaning of any spoken language that you hear. You also understand any written language that you see. So, give me a perception check. You got it. 15. All right. With that 15, um, you're hearing these three giants talk back and forth, and they are talking about uh, the White Death and uh, how it um, you know, killed uh, people in their village and has been chasing them and how they think they're probably safe down in this valley for now but they don't know how long that's going to last because uh, it wasn't too far behind them 
That's pretty spooky, Kevin. Spooky. Thought Halloween was over. I am going to stay silent as they walk past, so as to not accidentally gain attention from talking. Okay, so they are going to um, move over into the woods a little bit um, on the same side of the road as you are on, and you see them like trying to like slowly move back and I guess be stealthy, but they're not very good at it because they're giants. Actually, if everybody could go ahead and place yourselves on the bottom right-hand um, part of this map, you're going to, uh, Alexander, you're going to hear them say, "Let's move back slowly," and uh, they're going to they're going to start moving toward you. Uh, they're not facing your direction. Um, their eyes are still pointed up on the uh, the mountain line. Okay. So, you think they're probably a good maybe 80 feet from you? Um, but it's now kind of hard to tell because they've uh, moved over into the tree line. You're hearing them more than anything else. And they're not being too stealthy just because of their size. So after three or four minutes of this, you are going to hear this loud roar again. And this time it reverberates through this uh, valley. And then you're going to see a... Uh, you're going to look up on the mountain ridge where they just came from. And you're going to see another giant come... Uh, running down that hill b before it can get too long, you're going to see a large adult white dragon fly over the mountain line and grab a hold of this hill giant and rip it apart in its teeth as it uh, makes a sharp turn back across the uh, mountain valley and disappears out of sight. Oof. <laughs> hey, Kevin. Yes. Uh, may I roll a nature check to see if I can recall any information about white dragons? Uh, yeah, sure, go ahead. You could either do that or Arcana would work too. Or history. Uh, I've already rolled, so it's a bit too late. I should have waited. Uh, okay, so that's a 10. Um, you know that white dragons are considered vicious and brutal and probably more beast-like than the other chromatic dragons. They're also uh, less intelligent. And you also know that they are evil and mean-spirited. Um, would it be reasonable to do an arcana check to see if I know if they have the ability to see through magical, like, illusions? Um, yeah, sure. 19. Uh, yes, they do. Okay, that's, that's not good to know. Well, not good to be a fact, good to know. Uh, you would know that most dragons um, are said to have that ability. Whether or not that's true or not, that is the rumor. Okay. After this uh, white dragon uh, disappears back behind that valley, you are going to see these hill giants pop out of the woods and start coming down uh, the road. Um, they're uh, making pretty good speed. You guys are off the, the side of the road, right? Yeah, we're off to the side, and so we're like in the woods, but the illusion makes it seem like um, it's just we're regular woods and there's no... Yeah. Okay, so they're going to get probably about 30 feet from you, and then they're gonna you're going to hear that roar again, and they're going to move over here into the tree line, and they're probably not but about 15 feet from you at this point but they do not appear to have noticed you yet. I make a face at them. Stick out my tongue. 
give them the fingers. But I don't say anything. Alright, so they're gathered up over here, um, probably not about about 15 feet away from you. Uh, they don't seem to be paying any attention to you. They're still looking up the, uh, the mountainside. Uh, and at this point, um, everybody can hear their conversation going on. Um, but Alexander is the only one who would understand it. From what you gather, from what they're saying, is they knew that person that the dragon just took. Apparently, they didn't like him very much. But uh, they're going to hunker down here and hide until the uh, the flapping and the roaring um, gets further away. So this dragon is probably going to be a problem for us if it lives in these mountains and we go and you know try and go through them. I know dragons are kind of my deal and I ugh, I hate to say this but maybe we could team up with the giants and I don't know push it back to its lair just you know keep it keep its head down while we make our way through the pass would giants be willing to team up with us give me a history or a nature check Man, in, in, in learning to read, Talia really read a lot of books. Alunadas did not. <laughs> I, I have yet to pass a single history check this entire campaign, and I have a plus five in it, so. <laughs> All right, so Talia, you would know that giants, for the most part, have a reputation from being uh, stupid, evil, and cruel. They're usually very xenophobic. They will eat just about anything that's not another giant. Okay, so I will uh, relay that information. Say, you know, guys, I, I, I've read that giants, you know, they don't like other people who aren't them. They'll basically they'd be willing to eat us. Like, I don't know if teaming up with them is such a good idea. Yeah, I don't, I don't like talking with giants or... Uh... From what they're saying, uh, they're not the most nice people. But they're terrified of the dragon, right? Are you saying that we're not? Just because we're terrified of the same thing doesn't mean that they're not going to kill us. Maybe we just wait and then try to be quiet through the mountains. Yeah. Um, everybody give me stealth checks. Aren't we still in the confines of the illusion? So we're not perceptible? Um, yeah, that only affects visual also got horses oh yeah oh i have disadvantage i'm in heavy armor hold on 24 a nail oh, fat. not bad 26 and it wasn't even a crit <laughs> <laughs> for the most part um they don't seem to be paying any attention to you guys they are still focused up on the uh, the mountain line very stealth yep those were some pretty good rolls so uh, another 20 minutes is going to go by, and they're basically just talkered right here. Guys, real quick meta talk. These guys aren't going to go away until we kill them. So uh... well, you, you don't know that. Yeah, I mean, they're just backing up, running away from the dragon. Uh, you've also, you also haven't heard anything, uh, any more roaring from this dragon. And uh, give me a perception check. Nine. 23. Uh Alexander, you can um, see that they seem to be visibly a little bit more relaxed and they appear to be getting restless. Uh, Talia, you would see the same. I'm willing to wait. So uh, another 30 minutes goes by and you don't hear any of that roaring and you're going to see them come out of the woods 
and start walking slowly back up the road, um, keeping an eye towards the mountain line. That's reasonable. And then uh, another 30 minutes are going to go by, and uh, you're going to see them start climbing back up the mountain. Another 30 minutes after that, you're going to see them disappear over the ridge. It's like being low level in Skyrim whenever you see a dragon. Avoiding them? Yeah, just seeing them flying around in the sky and like, I don't want to be near that thing. I just killed them. Even at low level? I mean, it took a long time and lots of running away, but yeah. What difficulty were you on? At that point, I was probably on like a medium difficulty. Yeah, once you get to like the like two difficulties above normal, it's just like, well, I looked at them the wrong way. I'm dead. Yeah, That's no, nice the, so Skyrim has a, it would change the difficulty uh, as you got better. Like it would sense that you're getting better. So it would increase the difficulty. And like one time I, I encountered something and I just could not beat it. And I looked at the difficulty. It had increased to like the max difficulty on me. I was super upset. <laughs> anyway, you dig, that's... <laughs> you dig the best ditch to give you a bigger shovel. Exactly. <laughs> All right, so at this point, um, Alexander, how long does that spell last? I put it on there. Let me scroll up. Ten minutes. Yikes. Uh, <laughs> so they noticed us about ten minutes in. Okay. Or they're really stupid. I mean, the cell check was still applied, tell you what. So actually, that illusion would have gone away before they even started backing down the road. <laughs> we'll just let that go, though. All praise baits the damn. <laughs> yeah, they were backing, backing down the road. They uh, go over the mountain ridge line, and you don't see them again. Um, you're no longer hearing that roaring. Or the, uh, you're occasionally hearing that flapping again, echo off some of the mountain walls. But uh, it doesn't sound like it's uh, near you anymore. All right. So we have giants in the mountains. We have dragon in the mountains. Either one alone, I don't think is a problem. Uh, you don't think an adult white dragon's a problem? It's a non-issue. <laughs> I can disabuse you of that real quick. <laughs> yeah, let's let's not get cocky, shall we? Too late. We have Ruinaxis and Tiamat on our sides. I'm pretty sure the only reason that we didn't die to the young dragon was because it kept failing rolls. <laughs> you had to recharge his breath weapon. Well, the danger is gone now. Maybe we should get moving before it gets comes back. That makes sense. All right, so you break in camp and um, moving through the night. Uh, unless you guys want to stay here and risk this guy's coming back. I yeah, let's get yeah. yeah, let's get out yeah, of here. Move. All right, so uh, you break camp. It probably takes you about fifteen minutes to get all your stuff together. I guess armored up and uh, hit the road. So you travel through the night. You've probably got another three or four hours before dawn. Move you back over here to this map. Um, so at this point, um, you're about this far in uh, to the mountains. You think uh, from the maps that you've seen in Hollis Point, you have about another uh, day and a half of travel. As you travel that day, uh, there's going to be a light dusting of snow. Um, it starts around noon. Um, you start to see a little bit of accumulation 
but not enough to impede you. And uh, for most of the days, you're keeping your eyes on the skies, uh, looking for any sign of uh, that dragon or uh, movement on the, uh, the mountain line to uh, see if there's any giants up there looking at you. But you're able to make it to the next camp probably about 3 in the afternoon. You decide probably, since you were woken in the middle of the night, uh, to stop there early. Uh, you'll be able to, to, to rest there without any problem whatsoever. Throughout the, the, the watches through the night, you're going to hear some wild animals up, up in the mountains, but uh, they seem like the normal fare, like maybe you know wolves or maybe some some mountain lions, but nothing like a giant or a dragon. Um, the next morning you wake up, uh, eat your breakfast and break camp, and you are going to notice that um, the, the road is starting to slope down and a grade out of these mountains. About another half day of travel, you are going to exit the mountains into these rolling, uh, into this plain right here. Um, and you're going to see some rolling hills up in front of you. Uh, you're going to see some farm villages uh, with some scattered houses. Um, it looks like the harvest has already been done and people are kind of hunkered down um, for the winter. Uh, you're going to see some people out splitting some wood, taking care of livestock, that sort of thing. Travel uh, another day, you're going to make it down here towards the hills. Here, you're this same thing, you're going to see some like... Uh, some woodcutter cottages and some um, scattered farms throughout this area but no large uh, villages or anything like that so from uh, the next day you're going to make it to Hill Plain which uh, after you come out of these rolling hills you're going to see this large expanse of plain just seems to go over the horizon it's uh, in between these uh, two forests to the uh, north and to the south doesn't appear uh, there's anybody that lives out here you don't see any smoke or houses any uh, campsites and there's not really even a road here it's like this winter wheat and grasses that have died but it just stretches out as far as you can see um, from the maps you've seen you know it's probably another good maybe two days of travel here uh, but the land's flat and unimpeded. As you make camp, I'm guessing out here in Hill Plain, or do you want to try to turn north and go through the forest to Elf Barrow, or you also know that there's a uh, village down here, Hilldale, uh, where you may be able to find a boat to cross, or you can try your luck uh, over here at some of the smaller farming villages uh, at the uh, end of Hill Plain. I don't trust Hilldale. There's a mad scientist there plays around with time machines. <laughs> Doc Brown? Yep. Marty, it's your kids! <laughs> I I think we should continue through Hill Plain and see if we can find a boat to cross. I agree. Alright. Um, so. Well, if we head north to Elf Barrow, toward El Barrow, then we might see a boat that we can catch a ride on, but I don't trust that Maw Bay thing. But if we head to the west, then we have to go all the way to Fair-ish to, before we found a place probably. 
Um, you would also know from the maps that there are some like smaller fishing, uh, not villages, but like um, you know collections of uh, traders and fishermen that live along this coast up here um, from Hill Plain uh, that may have a boat that can take you across the river. Including the cart? Um, maybe, maybe not. Yeah. Because they're not really farriers, you know, because there's no town. Uh, I think it'd be reasonable to go up through the Hill Plain, see if there's anybody that can bring it across. And if not, we can just make our way down the, down the water to Farish and get a boat across, try and get to Perm or Lake Meadow. That sounds like the best plan, I think. Because if we go to Hilldale, then we still have to make our way upwards towards Farish. Yeah, I don't see any reason to go to Hilldale. Yeah. Uh, Kevin, just to double check, so the flow of water is going like from um, the bottom right upwards to the left, right? Uh, it goes um, from the north to the south. Farish up toward El Faro, down toward uh, Ashmarsh? Uh, that would actually be uh, going upstream. Oh, I see. It comes south from El Faro. No, I mean, I'm sorry. From, from, uh, you have a divergence of water that happens right here, and you have some of the water uh, goes from goes south uh, uh, west past Mall Bay to Frost River, and then some of the water is directed down towards the Black River. Does that ever happen in reality? It's fantasy, dude. God. We need a geologist up in here. <laughs> All right. Um, but, yeah, still, I say we uh, head across the hill plain toward the river, then down to Parish. And but has serious arguments with that? I suspect... Maybe? I don't know. What about non-serious arguments? You mean fantasy arguments? I'm No, just nonsensical ones that have no basis. Only a I have no objections. I think it's a sound plan. And it'll get us away from the mountains and the hills and the cold. Yeah, I'm not a fan of any of those things. Pansies. I'm sorry, what was that? Pansies. I'm from way up north. I'm used to the cold. Well, not all of us can have pointed ears to store heat in or whatever they do. They're, they're radiators. They radiate away cold. Talia's going to pull the hood up on her on her uh, cloak with a bat and say, I have pointy ears. <laughs> <laughs> when you draw a picture of Talia, make sure she has her hood up. <laughs> just, I'll just draw a Batman mask on her. Um, so yeah, let's head across Hill Plain, south, uh, west towards Farish. Yep. Okay. Rolling, rolling, rolling. Keep the party rolling. Though the something's something rawhide dragons giants weather hell bent for yeah let's go with leather <laughs> so that we can kill something hide so you are making your way up to uh to hill plain and then what are you going to hit the river and then make your way southwest to farish yeah, we'll see if they have. Yeah, we'll see if they have any ferries uh, along the coast of like the Hill Plain coast there. If not, we'll make our way down to Farish. Okay, you are going to spend uh, about another day and a half and get this uh, far up um, towards Hill Plain, and you've kind of 
started making your way um, towards the, the, the forest in here to the, uh, the southwest and um, on your uh, towards the end of uh, your second uh, day or about midday of the second day everybody give me a perception check natural nine. one nine for me oh, so passive of 16 <laughs> you are going to see some movement in some of the uh, the grass which is probably about um, if you were when you're standing in this grass is probably about waist high you're going to see probably about 100 feet out in front of you some movement in that grass uh, but you don't see anything sticking out and say hold up there's something out there you, you mean the wind and the grass could be um let's see could i do an acrobatics check try to jump really high up so i can see if i can't see anything in the grass like looking down on it um, um you can but i think that would still be more of a perception check I mean, you could yeah. probably stand up in the cart. Do you have I a 10 foot vertical you're not telling us about? Probably. <laughs> With a plus seven of my acrobatics, yeah, probably. <laughs> but yeah, I didn't get anything special on the specific perception check. You're seeing um, much the same before, except now that you've stopped, um, you're seeing the, the movement in the grass has stopped as well. Okay, the movement has stopped, so it could be the breeze, or it could be an adult grass dragon. <laughs> give me another perception, or everybody can give me a perception check now that you've stopped. Oh, look at that, another one. Damn, you're on for <laughs> shit today. And I keep uh, getting this is how it is every time, dude. I don't, I don't roll anything but ones. That's that's not true, but it certainly feels like it. Given how nice are so, you are going to hear kind of, it kind of sounds like this low, like dog yipping. And it sounds like there's more than one, but they're like yipping to each other. And it's very like low. You can barely hear it. Um, puppies, I hear puppies. Abbott's going to start barking. I'm going to tell him quiet because that is command he knows. Uh, okay, um, he gets quiet, and then uh, you are going to start um, seeing some movement in this grass over here, and over here, and over here. But it's like this slow movement, but the uh, the grass is moving against the wind that's going through this uh, valley. So there's definitely something out here, and it's yipping. So I think it's gnomes. I'm going to uh, to get Abbott under the cart to try to protect him. Um, you're seeing some now more movement that you're paying now that you're paying attention. You see movement over here. You see movement over here. And you see some movement over here. What's the call, Lunas? Well, it looks like we're surrounded by things that go yip and the light. So, um... I say we find out what it is, and if necessary, kill it. Oh, for volunteering, by all means. What is Lunar Dust is going to stroke forward. I said uh, if necessary. I would like to play my bagpipes and bardically inspire our guy. Which guy? 
Oh, look at us, the one that's going in. I approve of this plan. Alright. You're going to see uh, Nifron, um, too. He is going to um, move his horse up as uh, he looks around. Uh, give me another perception check. 19. You're going to see some movement right here. You're going to see some movement over here. And some movement over here. I advance and look again. Give me another perception check. Um, you look around and it appears that the grass has stopped moving. But you are hearing that uh, that low yipping. It's uh, gotten closer. I'm going to call out nice and loud. I don't see anything, but I definitely hear it. Whatever the hell it is. Uh, Talia, you are going to see um, some movement over here and some movement over here. So is Nifron. He is going to move his horse up. Yep, Talia's going to move to here. All right, give me, uh, everybody give me uh, another perception check. How does Bardic Inspiration work? Does that give me like a plus D6 on something? Yeah, so whenever you make a roll on pretty much anything, um, you can, before Kevin tells you whether you have hit or missed or succeed or failed, you would be like, hey, I want to use my Bardic Inspiration, you'll add a 1D6 to your roll. All right, so I just rolled a 23 on perception. Okay. Right, so you should use your D6 to get it up there. Pump up those numbers. Yeah, that's what I did. I got 18, I added 5 to it. I'm going to see the shit out of this. Alright, so you um, see some movement in the grass here, and some movement in the grass here, and you're going to see these like uh, gold dog's eyes um, peering at you from out of this grass. I see animal eyes. I don't know what they are, but I'm going to move right at them. Okay, that, that thing, I said I don't know what they are, and then I told you I'm moving right at them. So is that like a step north, northwest, what? Yep. <laughs> so you are going to um, take a, a step forward, and at this point, you are going to take. Uh, you're, you're going to step forward, and then you're going to look to your right. And you are going to see a knoll um, stare right up at you and pop out of the grass. And he, it is going to take a swing at you with its halberd. And at that point, I yell out, Knolls! Knolls in the high grass. Uh, so that's a 12. That's a miss. Very, very. And that is a crit fail. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to take credit for that crit fail, even though I shouldn't. Let's see. Uh, takes a disadvantage on all saves and skill checks for the rest of the day. So as this thing comes popping out um, to your left, you're going to see another null. It's going to pop out, and it has a spear. And that is a 24 to hit. That hits. Uh, for 7 damage. Ooh, that's a 27. Crit. Yikes. Uh, your attack causes blood to trickle in your target's eyes. Target takes a negative one penalty to attack and deck saves until the end of your next turn. Ouch. I'm going to let out a yip. Uh, and you're going to take 11 points of damage. All right, so 
that is uh, their surprise round. Let's go ahead and let me bring up the initiative tracker. Everybody go ahead and drop yourselves into initiative. So does minus one to dex include initiative or no? Uh, yes. Okay. I won't delete myself from the initiative tracker this time. No, it wouldn't. It's dex saves, not dex related checks. Okay. All right. Is everybody in? I am. Yes. All right. Leno, you're going first. All right. Uh, I am unhappy with what has just happened. Let's see. It attacked me with a spear. That gave it reach. But if I move, that should not trigger opportunity, right? Uh, depends on which way you go, because uh, both of these nulls, one has a halberd, the other one has a spear. They both have reach. I'm just saying, if I move away from null four toward the rest of the group, would that trigger yes, an attack because of opportunity? Yes. It would? Okay. Because he has 10-foot reach. All right. So in that case, I'm just going to stay right where I am for the moment. I am going to click my heels as my bonus action and uh, start my haste nest. And now I am going to attack null three. That's a 12. Uh, that's going to miss. Second attack on null three. Uh, that's going to hit. 17. Oh, that hits for eight damage. Third attack on null three, 22 for five more damage. And now I'm going to spend a chi point or flurry of blows. That's going to miss. Uh, and that second one hits. And that second one hits. So then I am going to use my uh, flurry ability to push him the fuck away from me. Um, it's a DC 14, and I believe that's a strength check. Uh, he fails. Okay, so he is going to get pushed 15 feet to the north. Wouldn't it be like this way diagonal? I don't know how push works. I thought I could choose directions. I, if, I, if I can't, then I guess he would go northeast. Okay, and 15 feet. All right, so you punch the hell out of this dog man, and uh, your last uh, attack is like a kick, and you just plant your foot square in its chest and just knock it uh, on its ass 15 feet away from you. And, uh, yep, that'll do it for my turn. All right, so uh, as um, you push him through, um, you're going to see it hit something, and then you're going to see another null pop up here in the grass. Yep, yep, motherfucker. Yep, yep. All right, next up's Talia. I feel like that's not right, because I got a 5.17. And yeah, you didn't. Uh, oh, yeah, my you bad. didn't rearrange the tracker. Okay. I mean, I still should have gone first. So that's not a problem. Right. Okay. So next up is Nifron. Uh, Nifron is going to take off running towards these knolls, and he's going to make it up here to this knoll, and he is going to attack. That is a 17, a 28, a 24. All those are going to hit for. 30 points of damage. All right, next up is Alexander. That is I. Um, I would like to give Bardic Inspiration to Nifron, which will bring me to two left for the day. And then I would like to shoot no one with my crossbow. Does nine hit? Uh, It does not. And that will be my turn. 
All right, uh, next up is Null 3. Is going to walk over here and attack Nifron. Uh, that's a 19. That's going to hit for 9 points of damage. And the second attack's a 9. That's going to miss. Uh, next up is Null 4. Who is going to charge at uh, Lunados with its spear. Uh, that's a 15. Miss, miss, miss. And that's another 15. Also it. Uh, Talia, you're up. Alright, so I am going to move over here. And I'm going to stab Noel 1. 23? Oh yeah, that hits. Uh, that's for 5. I'm going to sneak attack. And so that's a total of 20. And then use my offhand. It's, oh, never mind. Uh, in that case, I think I have enough movement to move up to this knoll. Probably here, not like all the way over. Okay. But uh, I'm going to stab him too with my offhand dagger. Ooh, 13. Uh, that's a hit. Oh, for five damage. And that will be my turn. All right. Next up is Juliet. All right. Juliet's going to move up to Alexander, drawing her what? Stay close to me and I'll protect you. And uh, launch a magic missile at, at Null 4. It's going to be 7 points of damage. Pew, 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 pew. Pew, pew. Uh, and that will end Juliet's turn. All right. So as this uh, Talia has moved up and got into this fight up here with a Null, you're going to see another Null pop up behind Nifron. And another Null pop up over here. It is a Null too. Dang. I was just hoping the Nulls couldn't count. Alright, uh, shift this order. Alright, um, so Null 5 is entering this fight, is going to move down here and flank Nifron. Uh, that's a 16 that's going to miss, and a 21 that's going to hit for 12 points of damage on Nifron. Alright, next up is, uh, Lunados. Okay, I am going to attack no four real quick. Twenty-four for eight damage. Twenty-three for ten more damage. Ooh, crit for six more damage, and a six on the crit table. That is bleeding out. You cut your opponent deep for cause internal bleeding. Uh, target takes one d four damage each round. Con save ends. Okay, so I guess he'll take that at the uh, end of some turn yeah he'll take it this turn and then he'll take it uh next turn um and then he has to make a save so roll me d4 Woohoo, four more damage nice all right um now i'm gonna do flurry of blows six damage and i'm going to dead. dc4 oh he's dead okay i was going to try and push him away and in any event i'm now going to pop back over here and flank null five you pushed him away out of the prom material. <laughs> <laughs> and use my last flurry of blows on Null 5. 25 for 8 more damage. And he I will knock down. Deck save 14. Uh, he passes. Okay, so he's still standing. And that does it for Luno's turn. Alright, next up is Nifron. He is going to... Uh, attack uh, which one is this? Null 5 he's going to spin around and stab him uh, it's a 24 a 29 crit and a 26 crit 
something tell me that guy did. Uh, so <laughs> that's uh, 12, 23, 33, 34, 42 points of uh, yeah, so he just takes his rapier and, like, sticks it, like, through his heart twice and then takes his rapier, or not his rapier, but his sigh, and sticks it up through its throat and into its skull. Uh, Alexander, you're up. I will attempt to shoot Noel 2 with my crossbow. 19 to hit. Uh, that hits. And are you using Six. that plus one crossbow? Yeah, I believe so. I have a plus five bonus to it. Okay, cool. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so that's going to be six damage. All right. Uh, is that it? Yep. Uh, next up is Null 2, who is going to attack Nifron. Uh, that's a 21 and a 17. Uh, 21 will hit. Actually, both of them will hit. Uh, so that is 17 points of damage to Nifron as he gets stabbed twice with a spear. Ouch. Uh, Null 3 is up. Uh, Null 3 is going to turn and attack Talia. It's a 12 and a 16. Both miss. All right. Uh, Talia, you're up. I am going to move over here uh, and attack, what is that, Null 3? Yep. Uh, 19. Uh, That hits. Sneak attack. That's 17 damage. And then my offhand. Uh, It doesn't matter. He's dead. Oh, can I move over here and use my offhand then? Because that was a yep. really good th- roll. Or here. Yep. Yeah. And that was a. Six that was points a crit. of damage. All right. Uh, and an 11 on the crit table. Uh, you attack so quickly, you get a free melee basic attack. If a spell was cast, a caster could use a basic melee attack or cast one free cantrip. Uh, this only works on the creature you just attacked. Sweet. So my dagger. Yep. It's a uh, twenty-five for an extra five damage. Okay. So you're up here and you stab this knoll to death, and then you like roll ten feet and come up behind this other knoll that's facing Nifron, and uh, stab it in the back. Uh, next up is Juliet. All right. So it looks like they have it handled over there. So Juliet is just going to ready an action to attack any knoll or enemy that approaches uh, Alexander. Okay. In case there are more. And that's it. And I will be right back. It's probably a good thing that he did that, because that's exactly what's going to happen right now. <laughs> uh, Null 6 um, is going to come up and attack Juliet from behind. Blake, are you away? Yeah, I think he stepped away for a moment. Okay, I'll wait for him to get back. Can't attack a man while he's away from the table. Sure you can. Yeah, that's, that's literally the whole point. As Nixon said, kick him while they're down. That's why he prepared the action, so that he could step away from the table and the game could continue. Well, the action he prepared is if someone tried to attack Alexander. Oh. In that case, screw him. He did not prepare well. Attack him while he's down. I am sorry about that. Um, no, you're the not. one of them came into range, obviously. Which one came... Oh, uh, only one of them is in range. Yeah, it's like as soon as you prepare that action, the the, the knolls were coming up next behind you, and uh, it's all right. Sorry you. about that. Oh no worries. 
All right, so uh, Null 6 is going to come up behind uh, Juliet, and that is a 10 and a 17. Uh, neither of those will hit, actually. What's your AC now with that full plate? 18. Nice. <laughs> An 18 Definitely AC racer. Um, all right, um, so that misses. Can I take my attack against him now? Uh, you specified if somebody tried to attack Alexander. All right, fair enough. Uh, next up is Luna. All right. Um, I um, let's see what kind of weapon does Null Two have? Uh, Null Two has a spear. So I'm in threat range. He would be able to attack me. So I'm just gonna go ahead and try and help kill him real quick. That hits. Uh, all right. So six points of damage. Fifteen. That hits. For seven more. Ooh, crit. Uh, that Great. kills it. Okay, that kills it. Aw. What, what, what is 14 on the grid table now? Uh, that is, uh, damage you do can't be healed for the duration of the encounter. But I'm guessing I'll that one. Yeah. Okay, so anyway, I'm going to move down to help uh, Alexander and, uh, 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 what's Juliet. All right, uh, are you moving? Yep, just had to, you know, count. I had plenty of them. All right, um, so now I am flanking null six, and I'm just going to do bonus strikes on, a bonus strike on null six. Ooh, another crit. <laughs> uh, you got a crit fell and a crit hit uh, with advantage. Okay. So uh, that's a three on the crit success table. That is target takes 1d6 extra damage. So roll me a d6. So we took a total of 10 damage. All total. And that's it for Luna's turn. Uh, next up is Alexander. That is I. Uh, I will use my Cursed Dagger to slice at Null 6. 8 to hit. Uh, that's going to miss. I'll pass my turn. And you hear that demon go, so close. Uh, Null 7 is going to run up and try to attack Alexander. But before he can do that, uh, Juliet, take your reaction. He's actually out of range. I don't get that diagonal uh, section. Uh, okay. You weren't going to cast a spell. You were just going to take a melee attack. It was just going to be a melee attack. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that's a ten and eleven. Both those are going to miss you. Next up's Talia. All right. So Talia. Wait a second. Don't you have a ten-foot reach? Uh, yeah, I thought it was 10 feet, though, not anything. So does that mean I can still hit that square? I would think so. Because if he was right here, you'd be able to hit him. Yeah, I don't know. Just because diagonals diagonals work weird in 5e, in my experience, I would... Well, it doesn't matter. Yeah, okay, then I'll take mine. I mean, the measurement tool says 10 feet, so... Okay, if we're going by the measurement tool, then by all means. Uh, that's going to be a 24. Uh, that'll hit. That'll be 9 slashing damage. Ouchies. All right, Talia. Okay, so I'm going to move... Shit, I forgot the square. There. I think that was 30 feet. Um, and then I'm going to throw my dagger at uh, null 7. So 24. Hits. Uh, sneak attack. So, um, 18 damage total, and then, uh, offhand, 
I'm going to throw that one as well. So 22. Uh, that hits. So 18, 23 damage total. So uh, you whip these daggers into uh, this Null's back, and you're just seeing it, it going to like collapse forward, uh, and then it um, props itself back up on its uh, feet with its uh, spear, and then it's going to turn and snarl at you. Uh, Juliet, you're up. Uh, I'll snarl back. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Juliet's going to position herself next to Null 6 lined up with Noel 7 and use her breath weapon, which will unfortunately hit Lunados, but, you know, collateral damage would. It's called splash damage, bitches. <laughs> Suck it up. So he has to make a DC... Why is it... It's a DC 13. I don't know why it's saying DC 12. Um, dexterity save or take 13 fire damage, half on a successful save. Uh, that includes you, Lunados. Oh, you're fine. Uh, both of the Noles failed. So I only take six damage? Uh, correct. Uh, seven? I don't know if you round up or down damage, I forget. Uh, what was the, uh, the additional damage? Uh, it's 13 damage total. But, yeah, so uh, half be, fours. Yeah. So it's six? Yeah. Seven? Six. Six. And that will be it for Juliet. So, uh, Juliet just erupts the scout of flame out of her mouth. And uh, you see these two dogmen go up in flames. Um, the one, Noel 7, that was over by Alexander is uh, was looking pretty rough already uh, and barely made it up to its feet uh, when you hit it with this flame. And then it just collapsed, um, yipping to the ground and then goes silent and still. Um, but this uh, other Noel beside you is up and still around it is going to turn and face you Juliet and take its spear and try to stab you uh, that's two 11s both of those are going to miss uh, Linnidosh you're up alright let's see um, I'm going to hop to the side real quick to flank this fucker oh look at that a crit hit on my first attempt for a total of 10 damage with a 13 on the crit table uh, you're not in the face. Your attack is so intimidating that one target cannot <laughs> take an action for one round. All right, and my next punch is uh, 21. Hits. For nine more damage. Uh, what's it look like when you kill this null? Um, after, uh, you know, punching the first time super successfully and leaving them stunned, cowering, I then do a quick shot to the base of the skull, which causes a little click and he just collapses and pats out a little bit of the fire that uh, his fur is on fire. You're like patting <laughs> it out with your fists. Um, All right. So uh, you're out of combat and Nifron looks around and he's like, damn those filthy animals. They should know better than to attack us. I mean, not for any particular reason. They should know better. Well, it was a fun bit of exercise, but should be on our way. Yeah, plenty of walking left to do assuming you're probably going to like look through the corpses always so um you're going to find really nothing of value their weapons are are pretty in disrepair they're wearing some like some really rough hide armor but you are going to find um a total of about um 10 gold pieces uh talia's gonna find the first one she killed and cut its head off uh, okay <laughs> 
And she's also going to turn to Nifron and say, Hey, can you uh, help me figure out how to, uh, you know, boil this down to a skull? I can't imagine it's much more difficult than cooking a soup. Well, this will be exciting. But no, I'm no taxidermist, girl. Um, So we're going to say that um, you travel for the rest of the day with no problem. You're going to be able to camp out um, with no issues that night. And uh, Hold on. Um, before we continue our adventure, there were items that we kept from the pinch that we never identified. Uh, yes, there was. There was also one item that you haven't identified from uh, the mansion. Let's go ahead and do that, quick. Um, so we'll say that night, um, Juliet, and between Juliet and, um, well, I guess Juliet can Alexander. Only, or, well, I mean, I don't think Alexander can cast spells as rituals, can you? Uh, like do without the slots by doing the ritual? Right. I don't think you can do cast, ritual casting, though, as a bard. That's a thing. Right. Like, it, it is a specific class feature, but I'll double check. Um, we'll just say, even if he, like, spends a slot on it, between the two of you, between casting ritually and him just casting the slots, you'll be able to identify all these magical items. So, um, here's what you got. There is a um, still rapier um, that you found in the mansion. There is a glaive, a scimitar, a short bow, and a quarter staff uh, that you found in the pitch's loot. So, uh, we'll start with the rapier. Um, it is a steel rapier uh, with a steel hilt and a black leather um, wrap along its handle and a steel pommel. This is a dancing sword. Uh, the bearer may spend an action to permanently animate this weapon. Uh, use uh, the flying sword stat block from the monster manual, page 20. Also, the weapon retains any other magical properties. Once the animated weapon is reduced to zero hit points or unattuned, the weapon shatters like glass. So basically, you can animate this thing, and it'll stay animated until uh, it's reduced to zero hit points, where you unattune it, and then it's destroyed. Oh. So it will literally float forever. Yep. Wow. Uh, next up is the glaive. Uh, the glaive is has a uh, um, steel blade on it. It is a dark wood handle uh, with some runes that are inscribed upon it. This is a plus one glaive that can be used as a spellcasting focus. So, do you know how spellcasting focus works? Uh, I do. I don't know if our viewers do. Okay, so basically any component that doesn't have a cost associated with it in the, the uh, material component section, uh, this uh, glaive can be used instead of that if the component doesn't have a uh, cost associated with it in the spell's description. Cool. Uh, the next weapon is a um, steel scimitar with a brass hilt and a wooden handle. It's a plus one scimitar. And whenever the bearer uh, deals damage to a creature, this weapon gains a charge. As a bonus action, the bearer can use any number of charges to deal that much extra lightning damage on their next attack. Uh, if around uh, six seconds goes by and the weapon has not struck a foe, it loses all charges. Uh, the next weapon is a short bow. This is made out of a dark wood. 
it has some runes etched along, um, I guess, the part right above the uh, the handle where you hold it. Um, the bearer makes a successful attack with this weapon. They gain 10% of the damage as temporary hit points. Um, the hit points expire after 60 seconds. Uh, next up is a quarterstaff that is this uh, light wood that's kind of uh, carved in a spiral all the way around it. It does have some um, brass uh, rings around it in various uh, sections towards the uh, the top. So there's like a on each side of the quarterstaff there's three stripes, uh, three bands of uh, brass. Uh, it, it acts as a plus one quarterstaff. And the weapon contains a pool of healing energy that can restore up to 30 hit points. The bearer may use an action to plant this weapon in the ground and release its energy. While planted in undepleted creatures that in their turn within 10 feet of the weapon are showered in a warm glow that restores 10 hit points per round. A long rest restores 1d6 of uh, that energy to the weapon's pool. And it requires a tune. And that's what you got. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, Lunanos will take the quarterstaff if nobody else super duper wants it. Sounds like a uh, take it. All right, fantastic. Uh, Juliet will take the glaive. That leaves the rapier, the scimitar, and the short bow. I would like the rapier. I, I think I'd like the short bow. Can I get those stats for the rapier, please? Uh, it acts as a, a plus one rapier. Okay. And it's a dex bonus, right? Yes. It'll use your stats. Uh, can I get a TLDR on the shortbow as well? Uh, shortbow plus one, gain 10 temporary HP on hit. If you don't hit anything for six uh, six rounds, a temporary HP thing. Sweet. Also, those uh, hit points don't stack. It just takes the, the highest amount. So let's say that you hit it and you get two temp hit points this round. And the next round you hit it and get four back you would get four, you wouldn't get six. Does that make sense? I thought it gave 10 HP total. Does it only give as much damage as you do? It's 10%. Oh, wait, 10% of your HP or the damage When the bear makes a successful attack with this weapon, again, 10% of the damage they do is temporary hit points. Round down, minimum of one. These hit points do not stack. And the staff, I can plant it as an action, and it'll restore... 10 HP per round to anyone within 10 feet? Yeah, and it has a pool of uh, 30 hit points. Total. Okay. Yeah. I have written down pretty much everything on the uh, inventory sheet that we have. Excellent. It's all in the bag of holding, so feel free to grab it from there and put it in your inventory. Also put the descriptions so, in the uh, chat. I have a, a stupid question, and I, I recognize that it's a stupid question. Um, just so that you're aware but uh, what is um, a short bow like how is it a strength is it dexterity is it like what is it it's dexterity oh thank god and uh, it's a simple weapon for efficiency too I don't think it's martial for whatever reason I can't edit maybe I can I just did something Yes, a short bow is simple weapon proficiency, so you don't need a martial weapon proficiency feat to use it. And uh, I think that's probably a pretty good place to stop right there. We're already at um, an hour and 30 minutes. Cool, cool. Right. Okay, I did something. I can't move the short bow into my inventory, but I just tripled three things. 
I was actually thinking that might be a good weapon for uh, Alexander for something to have him at range and keep his hit points up with because you already have you're you would actually have less attacks around using yeah. that is true maybe maybe we should switch Alexander I don't know if I could ever use the rapier though because it's really long it is a dax weapon so you can yeah, use it instead of daggers you wouldn't you be wouldn't able to throw it, to do but it, you use it well here's the thing is that the rapier I mean once it's attuned and you animate it you don't use it to attack it attacks on its own it acts That's as a true. dancing sword yeah so um, should we switch do you want the rapier or do you um, yeah I'll take the rapier than we have? I mean the scimitar basically works functionally the same way too I mean the scimitar is a dex weapon as well I was just uh, concerned it- with um, because of how like the size of my character versus the size of the weapon that, that was kind of my biggest concern uh, with all of them <laughs> Yeah, scimitar is 1d6 slashing uh, instead of 1d6 piercing, and it is a finesse light weapon, so you would be able to use it with sneak attack as well. Are you proficient with scimitars? No. Yeah, it's a martial weapon. Rogues don't get martial weapon proficiency. Yeah, that sucks. Yeah, rapier is a martial weapon as well. So yeah, I think rogues get rapier proficiency, like specifically. Oh yeah, Yeah, I think you're right. I definitely agree that that the the short bow would be better for Alexander in terms of keeping him at range because he didn't really have anything before, or if he did it, it wasn't as good as in increasing his hit points. However, I am going to need someone to fix whatever the hell I just did to our our sheet. I apologize, guys. I got it. Well, I mean, Alexander had the crossbow before. Are you using the hand crossbow or the heavy crossbow? Hand crossbow. Okay, so that's 1d6, so it's basically the same thing. Yeah, but I get the healing thing. What's that? Yeah, but I get the healing thing. Yeah. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Dungeons & Debacles podcast. If I could ask a halfling-sized favor, give us a 5-star rating and review on iTunes. It's the best way to support us. New episodes come out every Monday, so make sure to check your podcast app. Do you have an idea to make the podcast better? Tell us about it on Twitter or Facebook. You can also check out our website to see all the maps, lore, and characters at DungeonsAndDebaclesPodcast.com. And now a word from our fantasy sponsor. Howdy, folks. I'm Gerg of Gerg's Barbecue and Crematorium, and I'd like to take a minute to address some of the slander about my business. We have some of the finest slow-cooked barbecue in the Plains Nation, and yes... We offer all hours crematorium services, but never the twain shall meet. Rest assured that your delicious combo platter of pulled pork and mutton never touched the remains of someone's loved one. Death comes for us all, and at all hours, and we answer the call. But that doesn't mean you could be eating a person. You have my word, we keep it separate. So if you have a hunger in your belly, or sadness in your soul for the loss of a loved one, we can help. Gerg's Barbecue and Crematorium. We're always open. The music you heard on this episode was Serpentine Trek, Crossing the Chasm, Drums of the Deep, and Long Road of Head by Kevin McLeod in Incompetech.com. 
Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 License. creativecommons.org slash licenses slash by slash 3.0.